There you are. How are we doing? We, do we have some fears? We got something? All right. So what are our biggest fears in moving into the building? You said that our focus will change from our core values. We'll become too focused on the building. I have, I have heard that one before and agree with that. We will have enough parking spaces for all the visitors. We'll be able to welcome our visitors well. That's a, a great uh, question. I think actually either next Sunday or the Sunday after we're going to put a map up and kind of show you how the new parking uh, is going to work. That we will have so many new people that our personalities as a church might change. Okay. And it will be hard to develop deep relationships. That's, that's a great question. And who's going to keep the dog park clean? Okay, good. Well, that leads to one of my great fears, which was doing this this morning, because I know enough of you well enough to know that there could have been even things that were maybe even a little bit uh, more inappropriate than that, that last question, uh, which might have actually been a serious question. If it is, uh, I don't know the answer to that yet. We'll figure that one out. But those are all legitimate questions. Those are all legitimate concerns. Uh, and I think what's a, important for us as a congregation is to understand that even in, in an exciting opportunity like the one that is before us, there, there is some fear attached to it. Uh, there are some challenges that are before us. And I think these point out some of the more significant ones, which what are we, what are we going to be like as a church? Is there a chance that we'll change and, and, and stop being kind of what Green Tree has been over the years? Uh, I'll share some of mine a little bit later on in the service with you, but uh, I think it's just appropriate to acknowledge that you can be excited, you can be really pumped up, you can be, you know, 85% really thrilled, but there's also a part of that that says, and I'm also just a little bit nervous. We're going to look this morning at a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 13, so you can go there in your Bibles or, or in your phones or your, your iPads. We're going to be looking at, uh, at a variety of verses in Numbers 13, and also uh, just a handful of verses in Numbers 14. We're going to kind of bounce around or bounce through it. Uh, we're not going to read the entire text. The text we're going to read will be on the screen. It's also in the bulletin. So in the, in the thought of an exciting time plus a moment of fear, uh, hear the word of God. Numbers 13, we'll start in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From every tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of the, uh, all of the men who were heads of the people of Israel. And then skipping down to verse 17 through 21. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go into the hill country. And see what the land is, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land now that the time bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes, or right at the very beginning of the harvest. So they went up and spied out the land, skipping down to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron, and to the, all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness at Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and, congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, or they told, Mo, told Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. 
and this is the fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able, we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. And then skipping over to chapter 14, the first four verses. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone. Be glory. Let's pray together. Father, as we come together this morning for worship, uh, we come with a variety of, of emotions, a variety of experiences this last week. Father, I think of uh, some of the emotions I've dealt with in the last few days. Moments of joy, excitement, moments of frustration, moments of anger, moments of, of uh, happiness and resting in you and my mind just being uh, content in your word and your truth, uh, moments of, of lust and greed and selfishness. Uh, Father, I, I think that probably in many ways describes all of us. We, we don't stay in one place emotionally. You haven't wired us that way. You've, you've made us to experience life uh, emotionally and spiritually. So, Lord, as we think of, of how we feel about what is before us, I think for the most part, uh, we're, we're very excited. We're very thankful for what you have done among us and how you've provided this place. Uh, but, Lord, there's probably also some anxiousness. I think of the questions that were asked this morning. Those are questions that have gone through many of our minds, and we, and we don't really know the answers to those questions because they're out there in the future. We have no control. And so, Lord, I pray that as we study this scripture this morning, we see a group of people that were in a, not the same situation, but there's some, certainly some similarities. Uh, and we see reactions of faith and we see reactions of, of fear that you would speak your truth into our lives. Uh, Lord, it, it's not uh, going into a new building that should occupy our hearts and our minds, but rather our love for you and following you because of what you have done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and, if, and if we go with an attitude of uh, self-centeredness, we'll fail. If we go with an attitude of love and of, of gratefulness and a passion that others would know the gospel, Lord, uh, then we will be following Jesus. And, I, and I, my guess, Lord, is that my emotions will go back and forth between those two, uh, as will, I think, probably my friends here. And so I pray, Lord, that as uh, you teach us this morning, we would hear what you say to us. Lord, we're not here for my opinion or my words. We want to hear uh, your divine truth in our lives. We need that more than anything else, and so it's that for which we pray. Please forgive me, Lord, for my sins. Help me not to stand in your way today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So let me give you this sermon in a sentence this morning. We're going to kind of look at this from two different angles. The faithfulness of God and the challenges he allows us to endure are both given to grow our active trust in him. So the faithfulness of God, the things where we see God is working and God is moving, things for which we we are praising him and and they're evidence of, of his grace to us, as long with the challenges that come in our lives. They're both given to us by God in order that we would actively follow him. I think we're going to see that pretty clearly in this passage this morning. Uh, I have five observations about this text that I want to share with you. The first one is is this whole story takes place under the umbrella or, or in the context, in the setting of God's promise to his people. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 13, and the people of Israel have come out of Egypt, they're now on the border of the land of Canaan, and God is getting ready to take them into the land and to give it to them as the possession that he promised Abraham uh, several hundred years earlier. And as they're getting ready to go into the land, it says that the Lord spoke to Moses. And he says, send men to spy out the land, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Very important that we see God's attitude in all of this. God says, look at the land that I am giving to you. So the question you have to ask is, is God powerful enough to do that? Is God able to give them the land? God is promising and God will fulfill his pledge. And the preview here, the sending the the spies into the land, 12 men, one man from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, was not so much to, to gather crucial data, but rather to encourage the people of what God was getting ready to do. The preview that, that God was going to give the people of Israel through the, through the 12 spies was intended to grow their trust in God. The intention was they would come back and, and have the reaction that Caleb had. Let's Come on, we're kind of wasting time. Let's get going. It's been interesting as, we, as we've gone through the new building. A lot of you have gone through. I think a few more of you or a good many of you still are in the next few weeks. Uh, if you haven't been invited to tour the building and you would like, you should have gotten an invitation if you're a member of Green Tree. If you haven't and you would like to, shoot me an email and we will set something up. But it's been interesting as we've gone through and we've, and we've looked at the new building, uh, there have been a lot of you know, comments about the structure and the space and how everything will work together. But a lot of the conversation has been, it'll be neat to see what God does. It, it, it's an exciting time to see where God is going to take Green Tree Community Church. And that's the promise upon which we should rest. If God is who he says he is, then we can trust him for the future of Green Tree Community Church. We can trust him with some of the fears that we have in our lives. So God's intention was that his people would understand his promise and that his promise was good. But secondly, the the context of the assignment, in verses 17 through 21, Moses sends them to spy out the land, right? And he says, I want you to go up and I want you to take a look. Uh, and we'll see whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak. There are few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. The cities are camps or strongholds, rich or poor. Uh, the trees are there or not. But then he says, be of good courage. Why does he say that? Because he, he thinks they're going to be afraid. I think he's actually pointing them backwards for just a moment. Spying the land comes after Israel as a nation had experienced the amazing hand of God in their lives collectively. Think about the Exodus. If you haven't read the book of Exodus lately, I would encourage you to go back and and take a read. Just take take a walk through the book of Exodus with this notion in mind. What are all the things that God showed the people of Israel 
as he took them out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land. I'll just give you a handful. You think about uh, the attitude of the Pharaoh saying, I'm not going to let the people go. And God brought plagues on the nation of Egypt, plague after plague after plague, 10 of them in all, until they, the Pharaoh finally capitulated and said, I will now let the people go. And in fact, they were so eager for the nation of Israel to leave that the Egyptians loaded them down with, with all, the, all the bounty they could take with them, with, with gold and with silver and with precious things, to get them out of their land as quick as possible. You think about the Passover, where God struck down the firstborn in every household in Egypt except the children of Israel. You think about passing through the Red Sea, when after the Israelites had left Egypt and the Pharaoh went, man, I made a mistake there, I can't believe we, we let our labor force go. we got to go get them. And they chased after them. And they came to the Red Sea, and the nation of Israel had nowhere to go, and they were surrounded by Pharaoh. And God said, wait a minute. He parted the waters, come on through. And then when the Egyptians followed, he drowned them. This is all experienced by the people that are hearing this word of Moses. This is the first generation of the nation of Israel. And we could go on and on and on. Mount Sinai and the law that was given to Moses. Water in the wilderness. Manna in the wilderness. Quail given when the people were hungry, uh, the, the, the cloud by day and the pillar by night. Clearly, God is leading his people. That's why I think when Moses says, go into the land and check it out and be of good courage, I think what he's saying, and remember where we've been. Remember what's happened. Remember how God has worked in your life to this point. Because when you do that, you will know that you can trust him. This is not an empty hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's not Moses going, gee, I, I don't know if you guys are going to make it back, but just you know, get out there and try real hard, right? This is someone speaking from experience. This advice is based on, on clear evidence of God's hand on our lives. That's why I think in this process that we're going through in the next few weeks and the next few months, it's very important for those of us who have been Christians a long time to come alongside those who are younger in their faith. As, as our younger brothers and sisters may not have the extensive experience of seeing God's hand work in their life time and time again, those of us that have should be able to say to our, to our brothers and sisters, be of good courage. Not because the leaders of Green Tree got it all figured out. Not because we're, you know, we're just the, the, the best church ever in the history of churches, but because God is the one who leads his people. There's something about having experience, having shared experience that we can pass along to others that will bring some encouragement to them. Cindy and I were at the mall on Friday night. We we gone out, gotten some dinner, uh, and we went to the mall. And she was getting something, and so I'm standing around waiting for her to kind of to figure out what she's doing. And she finally decides what she wants to get. And so I'm now I'm checking out, uh, and it's it's about eight thirty at night. It, it's about eight thirty five, and the young gal who's checking us out, you know, she's your chat, and we're talking. She says, "So, what are you guys doing the rest of the evening?" And I'm like, "Say thirty." <laughs> We're going home. We're, the rest of the evening, the evening's over. What do you, in fact, we're running a little late. Could you, could you hurry it up, right? She kind of looked at me like you're kind of a goofball. But, but before that, that conversation, which reminded me how old I was, I had a conversation with another sales clerk who had just moved to St. Louis. She and her husband had been in St. Louis less than four months. And so I was just saying to her, you know, do you, have you found a grocery store yet? Have you, you know, do you, do you know your way around yet? Is there, and I gave her my card, and she ended up being, she worked with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, uh, for several years. And so I just said, you know, hey, I, they live out in St. Charles. Hey, you're probably not coming to Kirkwood, but here's my card. If anybody at Green Tree can ever help you, we'd be happy to do that. That's just kind of the old guy telling the young person, you know what, it'll be okay. Moving to a new city is hard, but you know what, it, it'll work out okay. Brothers and sisters of us who have the experiences 
of our faith need to share those with others. We need to understand the context of where we're headed. But I also think there, there's an attitude of which we need to be very careful, and I call it the yes, but attitude. And if you look at verses 25 through 28, after they go out and spy out the land, they come back and they have an amazing report about the land, right? They brought back word to all the congregation. We came to this land, which is, it flows with milk and honey. And this is this fruit. Just this is amazing baskets of fruit we're bringing home. And so the first part of the message is, this is a great home for us. This would be perfect. However, but what? But what? The people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. In other words, this would be a perfect home if it weren't for the sad fact that the obstacles are too big for us to overcome. You see what's happened here. There's been a loss of perspective. Moses said, be of good cheer, and they came back, at least most of them came back, not of good cheer, but very discouraged. Almost like a child looking, looking in the window of a toy store and, and seeing a toy that they know they would love to have, but also knowing that, that mom or dad can't afford it. And, and the disappointment because they know it's, it's almost within grasp, but it can't quite be theirs. What's happened is their focus has changed. They're not of good courage because they have made their focus be the obstacles in their way instead of the God who has led them to this point. They've moved from faith, they've moved from trust, and they've moved into their primary motivation being that of fear, that of, that of, of anxiety and anxiousness, that of, of focusing on the obstacles instead of on the God who is leading them. However, there is some good news in this passage, and that is that in my fourth observation, there are actually conflicting opinions here. Not everybody is completely discouraged. Look at Caleb. Caleb quieted the people. Think about that for a minute. The, the spies have come back, and now at least all the leaders of the tribes are gathering around. There have to be at least several hundred people here, if not maybe even two or 3,000 people gathered around to hear what's going on. And Caleb gets everybody quiet. I, I imagine that, that whatever he did, he was pretty forceful. And he was pretty strong. And he basically told everybody, simmer down a little bit here. And then Caleb says this before Moses, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Caleb is incredulous. He, is, he can't believe what he's hearing from his fellow spies. Now maybe he sensed that this was coming. They spent 40 days in the land. And maybe as they sat around their campfire at night, maybe as they, as they talked about what they were seeing and what they were experiencing, maybe they were beginning to grumble and say, man, I don't know if we can, if we can make this. Uh, and maybe night after night, Caleb and Joshua, the other guy who, who we're not going to look at this morning, but comes in as the main leader of Israel after Moses, who was one of the spies, maybe those two guys are like, come on now, guys, what are you talking about? Look at what God's done for us. I imagine that they've had this conversation over and over again, and perhaps Caleb had kind of steeled himself for this moment, saying, you know, if they bring this up again, I'm going to have to stand up and say something. But Caleb's comments are, are basically, what are we talking about? How, how, could we, how could we begin to think this way? We're wasting our time. Come on, let's get going. And yet the others who were with him, verse 31, their focus was this. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought a bad report. Notice their focus. We can't do this. We are too weak. So I want to come back to the sermon in a sentence for just a moment. 
and understand here again is a perfect picture of the fact that both God's faithfulness, right, the good land that he was going to give, the fact that he brought them to this point, along with the challenges, right, are the gifts that God gives us. The people in the land that seemed too big for them were actually a gift to the people of Israel. Because if you look at this text carefully, you you understand that this is an opportunity for the people of Israel to trust God. Because Caleb is right, but you know what? So So are the ten others. Caleb's exactly right when he says, we are well able to overcome it. Why? Because he's saying that in the context of God leading them. But when they get their focus off of God and they say, well, we certainly can't accomplish this task, they're exactly right. In their own flesh, in their own strength, in their own abilities, they would never be able to conquer Canaan. They were a nomadic, disorganized group of people. Yes, they were a nation, but they certainly weren't a fighting force to be reckoned with. They certainly weren't a world power. They certainly were were not a group of people that were bent on conquest and had a strategy all laid out. Moses, even their, their key leader, says, hey, now that we're on the border, maybe we ought to go look around and see what this place looks like. That's not much of a plan, right? So when they look at their own strength, they were exactly right. There's no way we can do it. But our vision and our focus is not to be on our inadequacy, void of the supreme power and glory of our God. Yes, we are inadequate. If we move into that building and we do it all on our strength and our wisdom, it will be spiritually a complete failure. It will be a waste of our time. And at the same time, for us to fear and for us to be anxious and for us to say, well, I guess we, you know, gosh, we, we maybe might, might have should have thought of some of these things ahead of time is, is foolish too because it takes our eyes off of God. The difference between Caleb and, and his fellow companions is simply faith. It's simply saying, well, I'm going to trust God. He's brought us to this point, and I'm going to continue to trust him, not only for my past and my present, but also for my future. I've used this example before, but it's like the, the, the prayer meeting that they had in Kansas when the drought was terrible, and the pastor said, everybody needs to come to church and pray, and one little girl walked in with an umbrella. And the pastor said, what are you doing? She said, well, we're praying for rain. I thought I'd get ready for it, right? There's the difference. There's the difference. Where is our trust? Is it, is it resting in our God? Thank goodness that Caleb at least stood up and, and, and said something. And yet the end result of this uh, conversation was debilitating fear for most of the people of Israel. For 99.9% of the people involved in this conversation, here's where they ended up. Look at verses 14, 1 through 4. The congregation raised a loud cry. The people wept through the night. And they, all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the whole congregation. Oh, that we would have died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us here to, to kill us by the sword and our wives and our little ones become prey? Uh, let's get somebody to lead us back to Egypt. They are in the deadly, deadly spiral of unbelief. It begins with sorrow, right? They sit down and they weep. You know, they feel sorry for themselves. They, they kind of have a pity party. But then that pity party turns pretty quickly to who do we blame for this? Who got us into this pickle in the first place? How on earth did we end up here? And they began to grumble against who? Against Moses and against Aaron, against the leaders that God had appointed to bring them into the promised land. They went from sorrow to anger to despair. I, I, I wish we had already just died. I mean, just death in Egypt or death in the wilderness would have been much better than going here and being humiliated and being slaughtered 
by the tens of thousands and our, and our wives and our children being forced into captivity. And then ultimately, it, it turns to the Lord's fault. Why is the Lord doing this to us? Look at their focus. It's completely outward. There's, there's no, there isn't one brief second of turning to inward reflection and saying, where is my faith? A lack of faith is always accusatory. The notion of despair is always pointing at others. And where does it end up? It ends up actually not just in despair, but ultimately it ends up in rebellion. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's get a leader to take us back into slavery. Think about how insane that notion is for just a moment. Can you imagine all the work of Nelson Mandela in South Africa and all the work of the people who were put in prison and who were, who were virtually enslaved for the cause of freedom in Africa? Can you imagine on the day that Nelson Mandela was inaugurated of him saying, you know what, I think we got it wrong. Let's go back to apartheid. People would have said he's lost his mind. You know that 40,000 black men gave their lives in the Civil War for the cause of freedom in our country? Could you imagine the black community after that saying, you know what, we like slavery better. We would say that's an insane notion. It's not grounded in reality, but that's the power of despair. That's the power of taking your eyes off God. Ultimately, that's where you can end up. So our response this morning might be, well, it sure is, sure, I'm glad we're not them. <laughs> we, we have more faith than that. And, and, I, and I think there is a deep and abiding faith at Green Tree, but I also want us to be very, very careful. Green Tree Community Church is not Old Testament Israel. Uh, 100 Kirkwood Place is not the promised land, although they started planting some trees this week, and the trees look pretty good, and the sod's going to start going in next week, and so it'll be less brown, a little more green, but it's not the same. But I do think there are lessons here. I think there is a word to the wise. And I want to talk in general terms for a minute and then bring it down to specifics. Simply as disciples of Jesus. So if you're visiting here with us and you're from out of town and you're a Christian and you live on the other side of the country, this part applies to you as well. It applies to all Christians everywhere. Our foundation of our lives is not our faith in God, but rather the faithfulness of God. We got to keep that straight. The people of Israel got, got backwards when they started to look at their own abilities. And they forgot to look at the faithfulness of their God. And you look at what God does. He gives us new life in Christ. He saves us through the cross of Christ. We've been going through the, the building, and I've been telling folks where the, the cross is going to hang in the new building in a very obvious place where people can see it all the time. Why? Why do we want to take that with us? Because it reminds us of where we've been, and it reminds us where God is taking us. It reminds us of his faithfulness through Christ. But not only does God give us new life in Christ, what else does he do? He gives us a new heart. He gives us new passions. He gives us new priorities. He gives us a new desire to love him deeply and to serve others. Uh, the conversation that we've been having the last few weeks about, you know, what's the Christian role? What's the biblical notion of social justice is not just an interesting passing conversation, but it's a question of how do we care well for all the neighbors around us in our community? That isn't there because we're really good, insightful people. That's there because the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling us, and he's stirring that up within us. That's a gift that God has given us, and ultimately God promises that he'll get us home safely. We know that this life isn't all there is. We know that we have eternity to spend with Jesus, but what else does God give every disciple? He gives him or her challenges and opportunities to grow in our faith. I'm not going to put the passage up on the screen, but you can go to James chapter 1. 
where James says, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you endure hardships, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then he goes on to kind of play out what all those things do in our life. God gives us the challenges because he wants our faith to grow deeper. That's the case for every disciple of Jesus, whether you're part of Green Tree or not. The question is not what God will give, but how will we react? How do you and I react when God is working in our lives? What will this, this move mean to us collectively as a people? Will it be an opportunity for us to grow in our faith that we take advantage of and go deeper in our love for Jesus and our service and our care for others? Or will we be frozen by fear? I think if you want to talk about evidence for trusting God, if you want to talk about being able to look back, you know, the context of Israel, they had the Exodus and Mount Sinai and, and, and water and, and manna in the wilderness. Look at what God has done in Green Tree over the last 70 years. Look, 17 years, 70 years. I'm not that old. <laughs> the sermon feels like it's been going on for 70 years, right? Think about the people. That have, there are people sitting in this room that were not Christians before they came to Green Tree Community Church. And, and in the last 17 years, there are hundreds of people that have come to Christ through the ministries of Green Tree Community Church, whether they're little kids in our Sunday school, adults in Bible studies or in this room, our children at camp or sitting down and talking with a youth uh, staff member or volunteer. Think about all the people that have become Christians. Think about the, the three churches that God's allowed us to plant when we had absolutely no idea what we were doing but thought it was probably something we ought to get involved in. Think about the, the number of college students who have come to Christ through the through the, uh, the, the crossing in Columbia and their Veritas ministry. Some of your children are Christians because of that, and Green Tree planted that church. Think about what they're doing down in the city today where the gospel is being preached in Lafayette Square. It wouldn't have been there if it hadn't been for what God's doing at Green Tree Community Church. Think about all the other things that happen here on a regular basis, whether it's our discipleship or our CARES ministry, our Stephen ministry. Think about our children, our student ministry. Think about missions and, and serving. Um, think about 440 North Kirkwood for just a minute, the Alpine shop. Think about the fact, I just want to remind you of this. I don't want to get hung up on money, but I want you to think about this for just a second. In two and a half years, God gave us $900,000 through owning 440 North Kirkwood. That wasn't because we had a great financial plan. It's because God is faithful. We thought, you know what, it would be better to own a building than not own a building because we know we want one, so why don't we, it seems to be the right price, let's get it. And what did God do? He gave us almost a million dollars because of that. That was God's work. So the save the date I talked about, um, our first worship service, right, is September the 30th, right? Five years ago on September the 30th, to the day, to the exact day, was the day that we bought the Alpine shop. Five years later, to the day, exact day, not a day either way, to the day, we will worship God in our new home. I think we have reason to trust. I think there's enough evidence that we could hear God's word to us this morning. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Will our response be yes, but eh, I'm not sure and I said I would share a couple of my fears with you. I, I have a couple of fears. I have probably several, but the two that jumped out at me when I was writing down my notes was, well, gosh, what if people don't actually come? I mean, everybody talks about, you know, when you build a new building, you have like somewhere between 8 and 30% growth. What if my church is the one where nobody shows up, right? 
My second thought was people have been so extraordinarily generous over the next two years, but what if people just stop being generous and they just quit that and we go bankrupt? Um, Notice that my fears have to do with how I look in front of everybody. They're pretty self-centered fears, right? I've said, gee, what if not enough people come to Christ? You know, I maybe should have that kind of thought, right? But my fears are very selfish. They're very self-centered. So I could get very easily, as I'm preaching to you, I could drift into the yes, but category. And I could end up being just worried about me. But I think there's a different response, and I think it's the right one based on God saying, be of good courage. And it's simply this, yes, and what else will God do through his faithfulness and the challenges that lie ahead for Green Tree Community Church? Let's pray together. Father, as we think about uh, the fears that we, that we texted and jotted down, Lord, those are, those are very real in our hearts. And, and um, the fears that I read this morning have, have better, more godly motivations than my fears. Lord, I thank you for the desire to remain a church that, that seeks to uh, preach Jesus to everybody, uh, to live humble lives that care for others well. Lord, we fall short on that, but you have created a spirit here in this congregation over the years that, that longs to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray that you would, would not only um, calm our fears in that area, but that part of your calming would be that each one of us would do our part to make sure that doesn't happen, to be in prayer for our, our collective congregation, to make sure that our attitude when, when we're involved uh, in worship and on Sunday mornings and different times now we have our own building would be one of, of outward focus and serving and caring for others so that what you've begun at Green Tree would continue. Father, we pray that our fears would find their resting place at the cross of Christ. That as we remember what he has done for us and the salvation he has purchased, uh, that that would calm our hearts and it would also create within us a passion to the next however many years that you give us to share Jesus in this new place to which you're taking us for your glory and for our good. We pray in Christ's name, amen.